In prepping for today's show, I was struck by a burning question. How did Smeagol find the One Ring? I have an answer to that, but I want to give you a little context around why that question came up. And it all begins with the origin of Hobbits. Fellow Wanderers, today we return to the prologue to The Lord of the Rings, where Tolkien provides us some history and lore on the curious little people, the Hobbits. Now, let's wander. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clearly, by the Third Age of Middle-earth, the Hobbits, quote, preserved no knowledge of their original home. So the exact origins of Hobbits are not recorded, unlike elves who can trace their awakening to an ancient geographic place. The Hobbits settled in the Shire in Third Age year 1601. We have a few mentions of their travels before then, usually coming from the tale of years in Appendix B. For example, many Hobbits migrated west and settled at Bree, the town outside the Shire, in 1300 Third Age. Before that, the first groups of hobbits came into the western lands of Middle-earth from the other side of the Misty Mountains in the year 1050. Before that time is called their Wandering Days. This little fact led to the title of the lyrical song This Wandering Day, sang by Poppy the Harfoot in Amazon's Rings of Power. Although I think the lyrics match more of Galadriel's story than the hobbits, but I got into that in episode 43, so I won't rehash that here. Before their wandering days, quote, the beginning of hobbits lies far back in the elder days that are now lost and forgotten. In their wandering days, the hobbits had some connection to the land between the Misty Mountains and Mirkwood Forest, specifically the lands around the giant rock structure called the Karak that Bilbo and the dwarves would land on after their encounter with the eagles on their way to the Lonely Mountain. Curiously, this is the same general area that the Rohirrim come from before they came south and settled the kingdom of Rohan. One curious connection here, the word hobbit is connected with the, quote, worn-down form of a word preserved more fully in Rohan, holbitla, or holebuilder. So yes, the word hobbit is derived from the language of the people of Rohan, because both these peoples originated in the same area. By the way, Rohan wasn't settled until 2510, so if you're following along with these dates and you can do some quick math, 
you'll discover that the Shire is nearly 1,000 years older than Rohan. Anyway, back to my question. How did Smeagol find the One Ring? Well, in my mind, probably because of some comments in the movies about Gandalf saying that Smeagol was one of the river folk, I assumed that Smeagol was a hobbit ancestor living on the east of the Misty Mountains before the hobbits had crossed over and settled the Shire or ever migrated west. But in digging into the prologue and the tale of years, I realized how wrong I was. Let me repeat some important dates. Third Age, Year 2. Isildur, carrying the One Ring, dies in the disaster of the Gladden Fields. The Gladden Fields surround the river Anduin and are north of Lothlorien, on the east side of the Misty Mountains. Year 1050, the first groups of hobbits cross the mountains to enter the lands on the western side. 1300, hobbits settle at Bree. 1601, the Shire is settled. And 800 years later, in 2470, and back on the eastern side of the Misty Mountains, Smeagol claims the ring, after murdering his friend Eagle, who pulled the ring from the mud of the Anduin. So the One Ring was hid in the river for nearly 2,500 years, on the east side of the Misty Mountains. But keep this in mind, the hobbits had already migrated west, and the Shire was settled. So how was Smeagol on the eastern side of the mountains, far from the Shire? Before I answer that, I want to provide you with a few other Hobbit details that we often forget, yet the prologue points out to us. First is Hobbit height. We are familiar with Hobbits around three and a half feet tall. And I know there's a funny scene in the Two Towers movie of Merry and Pippin getting taller and Merry is exasperated that Pippin claims to be three foot eight inches. But we read in the prologue, quote, Their height is variable, ranging from two and four feet of our measure. Did you catch that? A typical height for a hobbit was between two and four feet. Two feet! I certainly don't remember seeing any two-foot-tall hobbits in Peter Jackson's movies. I can't even imagine a two-foot-tall hobbit. As for their writing style, the hobbits learned to record language from the Dúnedain, who were the remnants of the men of Númenor who still dwelled in the northern lands of which Aragorn was one. But this writing they learned only after the settlement of the Shire. Hence why, in Rings of Power, you can see all the pictographs in the books and pages used by Sadok, the leader of the Harfoots. Ah yes, Harfoots. Let's examine that for a moment. For we also learn from the prologue that the Hobbit's ancestors were divided into three different groups. The Harfoots, the Stores, and the Followhides. It was two Followhide brothers who would later leave Bree and settle the Shire, along with a few followers. And Merry and Pippin, as a Brandybuck and a Took, were likely of the Followhide variety of Hobbits while Bilbo and Frodo had some strain of Harfoot, I believe, due to the, quote, ancestral habit of living in tunnels and holes. An interesting aspect of the Harfoots is that they, quote, had much to do with the dwarves in ancient times. While the timeline is debatable, is this a potential story for Amazon's Rings of Power to explore? So far we've seen the Harfoots hide and run away from interactions with anyone else outside of their tribe. While on the topic of potential storylines for Rings of Power, we already glossed over one as we reviewed the origin of hobbits. While the ancestors of hobbits lived in the eastern lands near the Karak, they did eventually migrate west. Why? Well, quote, Their own accounts speak of multiplying of men in the land, and of a shadow that fell on the forest, so that it became darkened, and its new name was Mirkwood. While never warlike, the hobbits did have a few weapons about them, but, quote, These were used mostly as trophies hanging above hearths or on walls. 
A great example of this is Bilbo's writing room that has two crossed swords hanging on the wall. Also, the Hobbit settled the Shire as a gift from the current king of Arnor, with the only requirement that they keep the bridge of the Stonebows in good working order, and not hinder the messengers of the king. The Hobbits had some knowledge that the king of Arnor had fallen, much to the machinations of the witch king of Angmar, and so had a phrase, when the king returns, that was shorthand for something that would never happen in the future. Interesting, though, that the Hobbits, over a couple thousands of years, how seemingly indirectly intertwined their story is with the rise of the witch king of Angmar, the chief of the Nazgul, and also the fall of the king of Arnor. But, as an inverse, the story of five brave hobbits leads to the fall of the king of the Nazgul and the rise of the new king of men, Aragorn, or Elisar, in the War of the Ring. Ah, I love it when the legend rhymes so cohesively like that. Who knew that we'd get all that just out of the prologue? But we've wandered far, so let's return to the path. How did Smeagol find the ring if the hobbits were already settled in the Shire in the West? We'll wander that question right after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back. Hey, by the way, if you're enjoying the show, please remember to hit that subscribe button and share this episode with a friend. If you're really loving the show, please open up whatever podcast app you're using and leave a rating and review. That really helps me to continue to produce these episodes and helps fellow wanderers find the show. Well, a few hundred years before the ring is found, the Witch King of Angmar is wreaking havoc to the northern kingdom of men called Arnor. We've covered this pretty extensively in episode 65, so we won't go into the details, but it seems to me that the hobbits were always trying to find peace away from the Witch King. His evilness was one of the reasons that drove them out of their early homes and into the west. And when he raged war on the kingdom of Arnor, some hobbits sought to escape the wars. So, in the Atlas of Middle-earth, Karen Wynne Fonstad provides insight. In 1300 Third Age, some hobbits returned east, quote, where they dwelt along the Gladden, ancestors of the infamous Smeagol Golem. These hobbits were stores, which we learned from the prologue, quote, preferred flatlands and riversides and lingered long by the banks of the great river Anduin. So yes, while the Shire was settled, the war with the Witch King rages, so Smeagol's store ancestors had returned back to the east in the hopes of finding peace. Thus, Smeagol, a hobbit and familiar with waters and rivercraft, was near the place where Isildur, son of Elendil, would fall, and the ring would be left in the waters of the river. It's curious to note, however, that the ring was mere miles away from Lothlorien, where dwelt Galadriel, a keeper of one of the three rings and chief rival of Sauron. Sauron, for his part, had taken up residence in Dol Guldur, the ancient fortress in southern Mirkwood, so that he could conduct his own searches for the ring in the Anduin. 
And we also know that Saruman had already secretly betrayed the White Council and was searching the Anduin for the ring so that he could claim it for himself. It was later guessed that Saruman had found the body of Isildur, yet without the ring, as Aragorn and Gimli were cleaning out the Tower of Orthanc after the War of the Ring. That detail comes from the Unfinished Tales, and we'll have to dig into that in a different episode. Chance, it seems, intervened to foil the ring's plans. For not once, but twice, was the ring picked up by the most unlikely creature imaginable, a hobbit. One from the east, named Smeagol, and a hobbit from the west, named Bilbo. Next time, we'll continue our journey in the prologue to The Lord of the Rings, exploring Pipeweed and the Shire. Thank you for wandering Middle-earth with me today. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Raise your hand if this has happened to you today. You're in the middle of work, you're knocking things off the to-do list, getting stuff done, and your kid asks you to play. Do you drop everything? Do you ask them to wait a minute? What do you do? If you're like me, you don't always say yes right away. The kid moves on, you get busy, and you forget to circle back around and play. An opportunity to make a memory has been lost, and the dad guilt settles in. Not so anymore. I've developed a simple game that will enable you to take those small moments and have fun. It's called Dad's Adventure Dice Digital Edition. My five-year-old daughter asks me nearly every day, can we do Dad Adventure Dice? What follows are some quick rolls of the dice that lead to a fun activity with an intriguing twist. Within 5 or 10 minutes, we've had a lot of fun, shared a lot of laughter, and made a memory together. Download your own Dad's Adventure Dice today. Visit store.adventures.dad to download yours. That's store.adventure.dad to download Dad's Adventure Dice.